everybody and welcome back to another edition of the pod cast your favorite podcast about new metal this is episode number 51 and this month we are reviewing the seminal classic album by the band chevelle wonder what's next they've been in many polls they finally won the listener exclusive or the donor exclusive poll rather this past month which means we are reviewing it for the first time I'm John, and with me is a man who loves to send the pain below. It's Brian Quinby. I had to do that when I listened to this album. Sending <laughs> my pain below. Right into your balls? Yeah. I had to get under my feet. <laughs> Miserable. You've, you've already... Uh, I think people are going to be mad at you. Ah, if, fuck them. Not kidding. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> You got an attitude now. Guys is guys is uh, very successful. Now you you're turning into a prima donna where you're, you're I am you're not, not you're not nervous not. about what people think of you anymore. You're just like, I am you. so nervous about what people think of me now. Give no fucking idea where I'm well, at. I have a pretty good idea. I've been working with you for a long time. I have a pretty good idea of how much you don't like when people are mad at you. Oh, I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not good. I, I am not tough, but I did like Sam fuck them because it's I think kind of funny. Yeah. Just fuck them. Ah, fuck them. Fuck them. Yeah. Eat shit. Uh, it is people who consume your show to fuck off. I don't think people will be mad, though. I, I feel like like sometimes we're like, I am hardly ever negative on an album. You know oh, what I mean? Ultra negative Brian. on an album. Brian. Come on. I grump sometimes. Sometimes I get a little bit grumpy. <laughs> yeah. I think I think actually people the what some of the most criticism we ever get about this show is that we're too hard on the albums. That I think oh, like I didn't know that. People, I always just, thought like, we were love nice. they just love well, no, I think it's just more that like people love new metal. Uh, and then they listen to our show and they just want us to say that every new metal album is good and they take new metal very seriously. And I uh, here's feel the like thing I about do that. that. It's very stupid to take new metal very seriously because it's a very stupid genre. <laughs> I, I feel like we, I am like basically nice. I don't know though. I have to look back through the albums because maybe Dude, I, I don't remember shit on a lot of these <laughs> from month to month, but <clears throat> you know what? Then I'll just lie about this <laughs> that's the new this is like we're episode 51 we're kind of turning over a new leaf we just did nope. episode 50 our first ever episode with guests other than of course when we had fallon bowman on to talk about uh kitty's spit uh but yeah we had our you know our friends reina and dan and ed and andy come on the show talk about their favorite new metal songs and so now we're kind of we're turning over like a new it's like a new leaf. It's like we're almost at five years of this show. We're going to be at five years of this show kind of soon. And uh, that's crazy to think about. But I don't turn over new leaves, though. I never learn. 
from anything. I guess we're gonna we're four years of the show. We started in 2019, so we're at four years of the show. So we're gonna be a, we're we're a year short of five years. But this could be kind of our new thing: is that in these next 50 episodes, we just say every album is good. Well, I I always feel like I'm so like, hey, if you like it, I respect it. You know what I mean? Right. I just. And we don't need to talk about it yet. You know, I, people yeah. do want to hear us talk about the albums and stuff. Yeah, eventually. Did we'll you see? That. We haven't done this yet because we had the guests last month. Munch last munch. Month. Well, I guess yes, we're going to be seeing that. Uh oh, Flubberoo. Maybe, maybe uh, somebody will take a last munch sign to wrestling. Somebody took a sign that said September Fish to AEW because I said that on accident. Wow. And it's like, you just, you know, I watch it. So now it's yeah, like, they're they goofing want, on me while want, I'm watching They the want show. you to acknowledge it. They want their, their close friend, Brian, to be like, hey, I, you, that's something I said. I'm watching my show and you're goofing on me. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, last month they announced the lineup for Sick New World. Yeah, we haven't gone over the Sick New World lineup. Brother, that's true. Sucks. That is people. It <laughs> sucks. We're like, hey, we shouldn't be so negative. Oh, wait, actually, let's talk about Sick I mean, New World. It blows. It's way like it's way year, worse. It's, it's way, way worse. And it like it's sold out immediately of again. And I just like, why? It's One, a, let, bad, let me it's ask a this. fully like bad lineup. Did System of a Down headlined it last year, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. So they're so back. Yeah, they're headlining. So they're just headlining it again with Slipknot. I guess they got Slipknot, which is so okay. That's good. A perfect circle. I don't like, Ooh. but people like them. So let's give a perfect circle. Okay, we'll up. give them a pass. Uh, Alice in Chains. Nope. Don't want to see that. Who does? Who uh, wants to see Alice in Chains in and the year Alice in Chains doesn't even fit with this. No, they don't. They're not new metal. They never were. Primus toured with a lot of new metal bands, so I'll give them a pass. And Primus are cool. Primus are cool. Yeah, I like Primus Live is cool. Yeah, they're great live. They are really good, especially when they're playing like at a heavy show. Yes. Yes. I don't know Danny Elfman. Well, he's a composer who's a a sex pest. So wait, is he? Is it the actual guy, Danny Elfman, or a band called Danny Elfman? No, no, it's the actual guy, Danny Elfman. He kind of became performs music from his scores. Yeah. He kind of became famous uh, because he did Coachella, I think it was. It was either Coachella or Lala or Bonnaroo or one of those. But I think it was Coachella. And he's just like this fucking weird old guy. And he would like play music from his scores. And and wasn't he also in like Oingo Boingo or whatever? So oh, that's yeah. the guy. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, yeah. So he played songs that. from Oingo Boingo and from his scores. But he just has this like very weird energy, and people loved it at Coachella. So now he's become this kind of like meme guy. But yeah, two years ago, uh, he was, uh, or sorry, two weeks ago, he was uh, accused of sexual assault by a second woman. That's the uh, that's the headline. So you know, My anytime you can get those kind of guys on your festival, I think is a good idea. My guy has some hair. Oh yeah, I looked at a picture. Like red of hair is like red short hair. Yeah, it's Pretty like red cool. hair, but kind of also like um, uh, yeah. Benjamin Franklin. It's got yeah. like a Benjamin Franklin vibe to it. Yeah. But yeah, oh yeah, I do see that he's got some. Uh, he's got. I'm some making stuff. it up. It's not very good. And then it just is like, and then obviously Slow Dive playing it is crazy. Slow Dive is like a shoegaze band. 
They did that this year, though. You do have to say that they put some uh, like, like Turnstile was on. Yeah, yeah, but Turnstile is like year. hardcore music, so you, so like that makes sense to me. Slow dive does not make sense to me. Slow dive is like, and I like slow dive, but they're not. It's not a like, and they're not a throwback band, really. Like they are sort of slow dive had a weird career where they released a couple albums in the early nineties. And then they, they weren't a band for 20 years. And then they put out a record like three years ago. That was excellent. And then they put out a record this year. That was just okay. Um, But they're like, they're kind of in the convo still. Like, uh, yeah, it just, that doesn't really make any sense to me. It's also way different to me like if you look at the poster people you get it on your screen like a lot of the new metal stuff is way lower down the card yeah you got static x power man 5000 non-point taproot dope they're all way yeah you're like you're right like they're they're all playing at like two in the afternoon skindred skindred yeah which by the way that was wasn't wasn't that the big complaint about sick new world was that like uh there were like two or three stages and there was just no way to see all the bands you wanted to see definitely like yeah it's very hard yeah yeah because i i don't i don't feel like i i don't feel like i would care to see this show at all i i there's nobody on here there's yeah. nobody on this list that i either haven't already seen or that i would very that i would care lords of acid like that that whole line right there too it's interesting they got nitzereb frontline assembly uh lords of nice acid. these were bands these were actually bands that were touring around the time new metal okay. was big i don't even know any i've never frontline assembly i think is the only band on that line that i've heard of they were around when you know, in the very early days of new metal, they're more like, how are those bands above fucking like dope and power man, 5,000 and static yeah. X and taproot. Like that makes no sense to me. And and they're just, it's like more of an industrial thing. Front two, four, two is another one of those bands. Right. And again, like Lords of acid played Ohio every three fucking weeks when I was growing right. up, I never saw right. them, but a lot of the goth kids really liked them. So yeah. I guess it's possible that they're trying a new kind of thing. Well, you know what I mean? They're also doing more like modern metal, right? Like they've got bring me the horizon is like one of the headliner bands. And they're just like a normal metal band from now. Same with black veil brides, hard rock, uh, knocked knocked loose. They're more of a hardcore band, but like these are, and then ice nine kills. Like they're actually just having like straight up metal bands play it now too, which I feel like last year wasn't so much that. How is Fear Factory so low? By the oh way, oh my they're, god, they're another so line even lower than Nonpoint and Taproot. That's I know. crazy. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Like the the lineup here doesn't make any fucking. It doesn't sense. make sense to me. And it's like like yeah, Three Teeth is there. Which yeah, Three Teeth. We covered with. them, and then yeah, and then we've got sort of your new metal line, uh, Kitty Seven Dust Helmet, which F-T are all- Helmet. But uh, Kitty's good. I'll Kitty's give Kitty good, that. you know. And I Seven Dust is a big band. Like, there's let's no give Seven Dust. Let's just say they're good. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think they're like, good. I know, but let's just I know. say they are. Yeah, like those are bands you'd maybe want to see. But like, it's just yeah. And then also, by the way, 
This this band has the worst font I've ever seen. It's the band Below Drain and to the left of Code Orange. Can you tell me what that band name is? Because I have no idea. It's like just a bunch of like puffy letters. I have no clue. What is it that tsunami? Is. Tsunami? I don't then, have it. You know what? He but... might be right. He yeah, might be it's right. Tsunami, but they do they spell it with no T? S U N A N E. Okay. That's who it is. That font is bananas. That is the worst band font I've it's ever seen. De- it's better than the death metal font. Oh, the- I know, like where you kind of can't read it. Like, it's and they're the, goofing. Like behind, like the one beside Ginger, like to the right of Ginger. I can't read that. I have no idea what that says. Slave S- slaughter slaughter. What's the name slaughter? of this festival again? I need to get this poster. Slaughter up. to prevail. Slaughter to prevail. I th- but it take like I don't want to take that long to read. The- <laughs> oh yeah, you don't want to be searching for it. I don't, yeah, like- don't want to be squinting to try to read this. In fairness, I am very blind, but like. We might even be being sort of a pain in the ass because I am looking at the lineup from uh, uh, last year, and there were industrial bands on there. Okay. Uh, a few. But that makes they, sense, though, because industrial, like new metal and industrial, were very close, and you had bands that were doing industrial new metal, like Fear Factory, um, you know, Machine Head, I think, was doing a little bit of that with their new metal turn. Like, it wasn't Skunk and Nancy. Like there was a lot of industrial new metal crossover. I feel like. Yeah, they had my life with a thrill kill cult ministry. She wants revenge. Like they had those a lot are of big that. bands though too. Right, right, right. Those are bands that people would want to see. Like if you like corn and Deftones and whatever, there's a good chance you like Ministry or like a lot of people who like those bigger new metal bands also like Ministry. So like that makes perfect sense to me. It's also nuts that you're watching like cold at 1208 12 o'clock p.m <laughs> yeah it's not like who would want that turnstile at 4 30 it's like what and then these 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 set links here the for the sixth stage were so short dude there's there's a stage where there's one where the sets look to be about 35 minutes each so that was the one with kitty 100 gex uh, Hoobastank, Body Count, Spirit Box, Seven Dust. Like, those were 35 minutes. Sets. Oh, so they were there last year. So they're all back this year again. Yeah. Kitty's on the festival this year. Spirit Box is on the festival this year. Seven Dust is on the festival. Yeah, this year. it just. They were all already there. If you were going to do this, like, here's what I think. If you were going to do this, instead of, I, I would say, make it a three day, the gimmick should be that it's two or three days. For sure. Because that's. You're in, and you're in fucking Las Las Vegas. There's so many hotels and places to stay there. Just make it two days. Two no days camping. is perfect because it's also like you know we talked with Ed Zitron on the uh, on our um, on our episode last month. Who and he went to Sick New World uh, this year, and he was saying, and it's a good point. Like a lot of these bands, it's like they're very heavy. Their music is very miserable to listen to. Like not in a bad way. But it's just like, I'm just trying to imagine you're sitting in the hot sun in Las Vegas all day long, and then you're going to try to get stoked for Slipknot and System of a Down back to back. Dude, that's like, how I just it was. Feel like I'd be so exhausted, you know, especially after Slipknot. You'd see Slipknot, and then you're just like, I don't, I don't need System of a Down on top of that. Well, that's how Ozfest always felt. By the end of the day, you know, people are so fucking drunk 
by the end oh, of the day. Too. And yeah, for sure. Or like high or whatever. My brother would get so fucking wasted and fall asleep on the lawn. Yeah. And he wasn't the only one. But oh, like, yeah. but, but like hearing this punishing music for from 11.30 a.m. to midnight is not ideal. I don't think like just a no. constant stream of a of fucking it's insane. It's just crazy. So and it's also and it three hundred and twenty five dollars like for the day. That's they placed them really bananas to me. That's too much money for one I'm look, day. I'm looking at Brooklyn Vegan has the schedule from this show, right? Yeah. yeah. And they even scheduled things like like they put my life with the thrill kill cult on at the same time as ministry and shit like that. Like they didn't get, they didn't get the mix right at all because it's only three days yeah. but, or it's only one day. One day. It's stupid. When I saw that it was only one day, I was like, this is not going to be a fun show. This is going to feel like, I don't know. It just, it, it feels like a, a sort of just rotating stage that, people are coming out on and doing like a few of their songs there's no way as a band you can care what you're doing at 11 55 in the morning there just isn't there's no uh, there's no fucking possible way i remember like sometimes i'd have to you know when i was touring we would have to start at seven and i was like seven o'clock not a good time <laughs> to start a thing you want to start at like eight or nine and like seeing the deftones at like 7 20 i probably i just I don't know what the fuck is going on with these people, but this is not a good. There's probably a hundred better tours though around the country, like festivals. Well, I'm just looking to like a pass, a, g- a general admission pass to Coachella for three days is four ninety nine. So this one is only a hundred and fifty dollars cheaper for one day. Right. And Coachella, you're le- gonna see like legitimately at least one of the biggest live acts in the world. But absolutely. Like you can see Beyonce at Coachella and you're going to say like that system of a down and slip are in that category. I'm sorry. They're just not like that's it blows me away. The pricing of it, the pricing of it. And then what they're trying to deliver on this year. Like I'm like I said, I'm, I'm shocked. It sold out like it sold out instantly. And I'm just shocked by that because it just yeah. it's not a super strong lineup. From all accounts, people didn't have a great time last year. It wasn't like yeah. you heard people coming back from that being like, that was the day of my life. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Just I'm weird. Looking, I'm looking now at um, Sonic Temple Arts and Music Festival, which is yeah. the, the one we have here. Last year, I'll get you a few of the bands. And this is a three day. That's a three day, right? This is three days. Yes. Yes. This is the 2023 lineup was... Uh, you know, Foo Fighters, Tool, Avenged Sevenfold, Kiss, Godsmack, Rob Zombie, Deftones, Queens of the Stone Age. I mean, that is not some Chevelle was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Most even just her. like Foo Fighters, right? Like they're probably the the biggest rock, like touring rock band in the world. Yeah, so getting there, they're they're like a really good metal band. Uh, Bullet for My Valentine, like there was. A, so I just named a bunch of the bands, right? right. Yellow Wolf was there. It, it's like, <laughs> it's very like Yellow Wolf. That's what sold me. I wasn't yeah, sold until you got to Yellow Wolf, and now it I'm is in. a very very thing that's interesting. It, yes. Like yeah. you would, it's a very the Bronx played. So anyway, uh, I'm looking at the passes now. 
And weekend stadium general admission is $229.99. So it's a hundred dollars cheaper than Sick New World for yeah, three for days. Those bands for those bands. That's you crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you can almost like I'm looking at the pass and hotel bundles now. Uh that I, I they don't have the fucking of course they don't have the prices. Uh but yeah, it's like I, I don't get what they're doing. I guess, I mean, people like it. I mean, if they're going to sell out, then fine. Fuck, make the passes however it's much you want. Cheaper to stay and get to Vegas for sure than some of these other places. Yes, probably. Maybe not stay, but get to. Yes, for sure. It's relatively cheap to even stay there because me and my wife are looking at going somewhere warm in like January so that I don't get depressed. And uh, Vegas is one of the places because you can, I mean, it's expensive to be there for sure, but the hotels and the flights are relatively cheap because they won't get you there. So yeah, the flights are always cheap to there for sure. So I don't know. I, I, I would recommend bad fest. Yeah. And I would honestly, and no bullshit. I would, I would actually just recommend going to the closer kind of festival of like louder than life sonic temple like i would recommend going to those before this for sure yeah. you probably have one closer to you than vegas me and no everybody yeah oh, you everybody, everybody but everybody has something that's that the that you know the the package is like deftones and or whoever the bands are whatever the big package is this year you know not a lot of them have been announced but you probably have something closer to you that is better is longer and the bands aren't just like on an assembly line rushing in and out you know what i mean because john think about like we know look just even from doing comedy you know that like in a way everybody's getting out of there on time (laughs) You know what I mean? Like oh, that, yeah. that these bands that have 35 like, it's minutes. Like 50 bands. It's so yeah. many bands for one day. And these bands have 35 minutes. I mean, come on. You know? yeah. Some of them are going to go over for sure. Like there's just no way. So yeah. then people are getting cut later and later in the show. I just, I just feel like, man, you know, this should be a three day festival and the ticket shouldn't be insanely expensive. Same but- price. Make it a two-day or a three-day festival, and the tickets are the same price they are now for the one even, day. Even here's another thing that I started thinking about recently was like, I guess if you're gonna do this and you're gonna make a one day tour with it, like awesome. Yeah, sure. Taste of chaos. Yeah. That yeah. was awesome. The one year I went, it was the lineup was incredible. It was like I never saw Taste of Chaos. No, oh. Taste of Chaos. Oh, really? It was like, what was it? It was sponsored by like Monster Energy Drink, maybe. Or something I'll, like that. I'll look because I I probably could it was a warp tour. It was by the guy who did warp tour, so that's what it was. And I'll oh, they're tell you the, now. They're doing it now. Are they? Yeah, they still run Taste of Chaos. It's got Dashboard Confessional, Taking Back Sunday. Oh, I see what it is. Okay, it's a rock star energy drink one. Oh, Dash, okay, that's a Dashboard Confessional. Because <laughs> yeah, I think the year I went, it was. Uh, cause I'm trying to find the lineups here, but Wikipedia doesn't it. really have them. Um, they have the lineups. It. I have concert archives. Uh, what I think the year that I went, it was like, uh, the used story of the year, Deftones, Dredge, Rise Against, uh, 
Atreyu, who I don't like, um, Lamb of God, maybe. Every Time I Die was there for sure. I'm looking at him now. But yeah, I'm looking for the Deftones one to see which it was. It was really good. Yeah, this is cool. I mean, and it's just a, like a quick, like one day. Yep. Atreyu, Story of the Year, As I Lay Dying, Horse the Band, Forgotten That's Not You, because Deftones were not there. Yeah, Deftones was definitely at the one I went to, because I remember it was like seeing Deftones and Dredge together was like a huge thing for me. Yeah, that's cool. I, I just think there's probably a better festival close to you. Yeah. Sick New World. <laughs> yeah. Which seems like a dick thing to say, but you know, they also didn't give us a guest. Yeah, you want to if you want to give us passes, maybe we'll change our mind. I'll go fucking wild changing my mind if you can let me get <laughs> interviews with you won't even get, you won't even believe how fast I'll change my mind. <laughs> yeah. I'll fucking sell out in a second. That's just the way I am. Oh, buddy. I yeah, Taste of Chaos looks pretty cool. it was fun and it was just like yeah it was just like a one day one stage they would just have like the stage was kind of split in half so it was just like they would be loading gear on one stage while the other band was playing on the other one and it was uh dude it was great i mean yeah Yeah, we had a great time i'm trying to find the actual like poster for the one i went to but i can't find it but anyway it was a great time taste of chaos was great and speaking of a great time let's talk about the album we're reviewing this month it is that's a lie wonder what's next by the band chevelle uh this album came out on october 8th 2002 on epic records it was chevelle's second studio album after their first record point number one it was their major label debut. Uh, their first record came out on a Christian label called Squint, and we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but this was the album that broke Chevelle pretty big. After this album came out, they were uh, on the main stage of OzFest 2003. They also uh, got onto the Music as a Weapon tour, and quite frankly, the uh, Music as a Weapon 2, I should be clear. Uh, they also were on David Letterman. Uh, they sold 2 million copies of this record, which is kind of surprising to me. This record was produced by Garth Richardson in my former hometown of Vancouver, British Columbia at the warehouse. So I guess this would have been before uh, Garth had that whole, uh, uh, he's got his like kind of Skywalker ranch set up or whatever the hell. Uh, but yeah, this album did extremely well. Uh, it peaked at, uh, Number 14 on the Billboard 200, uh, The Red was the lead single from the album. It peaked at number 56 on the Billboard Hot 100 and peaked at number three on the Mainstream Rock Tracks chart and number four on the Alternative Songs chart. Send the Pain Below peaked at number 65 on the Billboard Hot 100, but it peaked at number one on the Mainstream Rock Tracks chart, the Modern Rock Tracks chart, and the Alternative Songs chart. And then the third single, Closure, uh, peaked at number 17 on the mainstream rock tracks chart. Uh, as I said, sold 2 million copies. They were nominated for three Billboard Music Awards uh, for this album. They were nominated for uh, Best Modern Rock Artist. Uh, and then Send the Pain Below was nominated for Best Modern Rock Track and Top Rock Song uh, at the 2003 Billboard Music Awards. So uh, obviously it was a, a huge album for them. And And quite frankly, I didn't really realize that it was such a a big album. If you asked me to guess, I would have never said this album even went one time platinum, never mind two times platinum. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, a huge album in the genre. Uh, really, really broke them big. And um, yeah, Brian, what is your 
uh, experience with Chevelle, your history before we get into you talking about this album. What did you like Chevelle? Do you remember them being around? What's your experience? You know, what's funny is that you said you were very surprised that they sold 2 million albums. Like it very much didn't surprise me. I'm going to tell you why they played. So we have in Columbus, one of the last all like independently owned radio stations in the United States. Yeah. You know what Blitz. I mean? No, no, no. That's, that's not independently. It's okay. kind of, it's a small, it's smaller than like clear channel or whatever, but right. it's owned by a bigger company. It's called CD 92.5. Now was CD one Oh one. And it is an alt rock station. And, and they'll play like Radiohead. They play like, uh, uh, you know, alt rock. Like sure. Coldplay. Like that whole kind of music, you know. And then they also play some local music and shit like that. It's, it's, it stinks, but like, <laughs> it's like good in a way because it's sure. independent. But they played um, Chevelle on there and The Blitz. Like they were getting played on both channels. Right. And they really... I don't know why they were getting played on both channels, but I always found it interesting that like they would play the red on CD one Oh one between like bare naked ladies and fucking, uh, you know, uh, moth, I think is one of like spoon and that kind of music. Like they, they are a, a radio station that in town, especially at that period of time was known to be very cool. Right. So, so like I, I kind of figured they were big because of that, you right. know, like I kind of figured they were a big band because they were being played on two radio stations here. Like, it seems like they got a ton of radio play. I, I saw them live, but I, I'm not going to remember any of that. It, it was probably at an Ozfest or something like that. And I was probably waiting for them to get done. <laughs> Well, I remember, I, I definitely remember the red being huge yeah. um, in, in Canada. So, like, it was funny, not funny, but it was just interesting to me that it appears that, like, Send the Pain Below um, actually ended up being their sort of bigger single, at least as far as chart performance goes. Because I can almost remember, like, the red was so big for, like, me and my friends. And I remember it getting played on much music all the time. And um, send the pain below almost felt it almost had like second single syndrome, you know, where like you love the lead single so much. And then the second single comes out and you're kind of like, oh, okay, this isn't really, I don't really like this as much as the first one. That was kind of how it felt. I, I, I feel like when send the pain below came out because yeah, I just remember the red being really, really big, like in my friend group and, 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 it just felt like a big song. I, again, didn't feel like a two million uh, copy album type of song, but I just remember it being like absolutely huge. And um, yeah, it's 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 funny because I, I think not loving "Send the Pain Below" in that moment is kind of what led me to really never listening to this full album. Like I. I'm sure I would have heard it fully like back in the day, but I just remember the red. It almost felt like a one hit wonder. Like it was sort of like, Oh, you guys remember the red, like what a great song, you know? Um, and I still feel that way. Like I've always loved the red. I, I think it's a fantastic song. And so 
yeah, so it's kind of interesting to see that, you know, this was a really big album for them. They're still making music now. So, you know, it's obvious that this album being so big has kind of led them to have this kind of lengthy career. And, you know, they've done 10 albums, I think now, or nine or whatever the number is. And they're still touring and they're still doing their thing. And so, yeah, it's just interesting to think of the the sort of whole album because I just, I really just remember the red being iconic. And I remember the video being iconic where he's like at the podium and he's kind of like singing at the, at the lectern in front of like a kind of a city council meeting or something like that. And then he starts to scream at the end of the song and like loses his fucking mind. I remember that being like really iconic, but yeah, that was kind of my experience with Chevelle back in the day was just the red was a great song and we didn't really think much else of, of the band. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't listen to them like all the way. I, I definitely, this is my first listen through of this album for sure. And I just knew those songs from the radio and like I used to, I, it's funny. The, the, the thing that this really showed for me, that was really funny is like this guy I used to hang out with, he put a, a system in his car, like, you know, the, the big speakers and the bass and it's super loud. And we would drive from place to place and he would just listen to it so loud. You couldn't have a conversation in the fucking car. It was just like, uh, and he would play the red and he would like sing every word of the song so loud over the loud speakers. It's, that's like my main, <laughs> that's like my main Chevelle thing. Like just this dude I knew going so lay down. And I only hear that. <laughs> I only hear it in his voice. Even when I listen to it now, I only can he, hear it in his voice. Was he a bad singer? Yeah, 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 yeah. He wasn't a good singer at all. And he was kind of doing, he he was just really into the song. I mean, there is a thing on this album that I will definitely get into uh, where it's almost like some of the those two singles, they read to me like playing it incredibly safe. You know what I mean? Like in, in that, like, I guess, I don't know. This is 2002, right? Yeah. So there are songs on here. This is where I start to be a prick about everything. (laughs) There are songs on here that sound like songs from other bands. Okay. And like a lot like songs from other bands. The, 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 where's the one I'm going to give you a song title here that, that I really, uh, and I liked it at the beginning. Like when I even talk about closure, I'm like, this is all pretty good. Uh, but so here's closure. This is all pretty good, but the songs all sound like a different song that another band does better. Good breakdown here reminds me of root by the Deftones, Right. So then I'm looking through and I go, this is another one that reminds me a bit of tool, the music, not the singing, which is kind of like Deftones. Uh, What's the other one? Because there's another one that sounds like Be Quiet and Drive. Like, you can fucking hear Be Quiet and Drive in this song uh, so closely. And, like, like I just, it feels like, especially with those singles, they just feel like songs from other bands to me. It doesn't feel like this is, I don't know, I just didn't get a, 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 a real vibe from this. Like, as dudes, I got a vibe of, like, well, people are really into this Deftone stuff. Let's do a Deftone like song. People are really into the perfect circle. Let's do a perfect circle like song. And like, that's how it felt when I was listening to it. 
uh, as right. it on and on and on. I mean, fucking 200 songs on this album, by the way, <laughs> at least. 200 at songs. least. I was, I looked at it, and you know, these albums are all longer. An hour is, in the grand scheme of things, not that bad. Right. Man, oh, did you listen of- to the expanded edition? Because I, I cut her off at the well, I cut her off at the original release. What was the original release is in? Eleven, eleven songs. What was the song? Last song? Do you know? Uh, One Lonely Visitor is the last song. Fuck me. Yeah, I didn't listen I to I listened either. to uh Until You Reformed, High Visibility, Black Boys on Mopeds, It's No Good. I didn't listen to those. Oh, it was endless, John. <laughs> it was endless. And it was only an hour. But I just Yeah, I the original know. album I think is like 42 minutes or something like that. Oh man, that would have made my morning so much better. See, so you, you might know, have even liked the album. You would have got yeah, it was 40 46 is the is the uh is the 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 length of the the initial release. I started thinking about it this morning and I'm like the way I review these albums might not be the like the time I listen to them might not be the prime time, but also <laughs> look, I'm also like doing gu- episodes of guys generally at the beginning of the month, and like I can't listen. I find it unfair for me to listen to the album while I'm prepping guys because I'm not, I'm not hearing it. You know what I mean? So I won't do it while I'm prepping guys. So generally, you know, we record at two or three my time. So generally, I'll listen to it when I get up uh, the morning of the show and take a lot of notes. You know what I mean? Right. And like maybe it's just hearing this first thing in the fucking literally I step out of bed and I'm listening to it. Maybe that has something to do with it. Could be a problem. Could be a bit of a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should stop. I I will. I'm going to try to start listening to them like because I I just really didn't like this. I don't know. I don't like this album at all. Like I was really, I mean, it's hard to say I didn't like it at all because even by the time we're on, let me see. Wonder what's next. That is when it went downhill for me. That song, the beginning of that song went so down, like what was so like weirdly noisy and, and like they brag about it in the articles about how like oh you know he put a bunch of sounds good 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 Garth put a bunch of sounds in here like 808s and shit and it really just sounded like somebody was punching the fucking soundboard machine and like it was just a bunch of fucking noise and that was at the point where I was just like I don't like this song at all <laughs> you know and I then it, I just from then on. I was just like, I, I don't like any of these. Fun- like, I like the beginning of the album. I, like I said, I got all the way to wonder what's next before I started to get annoyed. You know? Yeah, the first five tracks are great. There, there's the, the three singles are in there. And then it also has family system and comfortable liar uh, in the in the first uh, five five tracks there. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. That's definitely the strongest part of the album. But I don't think I, I, I mean, I liked it all the way through. I, I think it's a very good album. But um, I should also add uh, the single for the red also went two times platinum and the single yeah. for send the pain below went one time platinum. So um, so I mean, this is a this is a huge record. And I just oh, yeah. wanted to touch back to what you were saying about them sounding like other bands. Like it's interesting because you you read some of the articles and they kind of talk about their first album, and I haven't listened to it, but it's called Point Number One. Um, 
they they kind of talk about how it was almost more like indie rock. Like they they kind of make it sound like it was more. I mean, I guess in 1999, maybe it had like a bush, like an alternative rock type thing. Like I said, I didn't listen to it, but they almost kind of said like, we made that record, we put it out on a Christian label. And then like a lot of people thought we were Christian and we're not like they were nominated for all these Christian music awards. Like the Christian music awards are called the Dove Awards and they were nominated for a bunch of those with their first record. And they were like, we're not Christian. And it wasn't even like an Evanescence situation where Evanescence were Christian, but didn't want to be considered Christian rock. These guys are like, we're not Christian. Like, we just put this record out on a Christian label. And I think, weirdly, the big reason they did that is because Steve Albini produced their first album, which is so funny to think about uh, him working with a Christian rock label as well as working with Chevelle. Very funny. But they seem to suggest like, oh, we always wanted to kind of be making heavier music. And so we decided to make it. Now, is that an excuse? And they're just trying to like follow the trend at the time. I don't know. I mean, the other weird part of Chevelle for me is I do think like a lot of people talk about them as being heavily influenced by the Deftones. And um, like, I don't know if I hear that a ton. Like I hear it a little bit. But it's not Deftones have like a there's like an atmosphere to their music that I feel like Chevelle is not really trying to do, you know, like the the guitars, pardon me, don't feel super like reverb heavy to me or something like I don't know. There just doesn't feel like the same level of kind of atmospherics that Deftones were going for, especially like White Pony comes out in 2000. This comes out in 2002. So if they were like deeply in- influenced by Deftones, it's probably White Pony more than Around the Fur. I think it's Around the Fur. Yeah, I, it, it, it's got a little more Around the Fur in terms of like their sort of riff, the heavy riff based songs. Like you can hear Shove It and songs like that, where it's just like a kind of heavy riff with like a driving drum beat. But the, the, to me, I don't hear I don't hear the drums and I don't hear the guitars really reminding me of Deftones. I guess if you're a band, here's what I think: if 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 you are going to sort of I don't know use the Deftones influence at that time, I, you know I don't think there's a lot of bands that could do White Pony, and I don't think there's a lot of bands That's true. that think they could do White Pony. So it's just kind of like. Well, you know, I can't really do White Pony, but everybody really liked Around the Fur. And I also want to say that, like, two things first. Number one, I didn't know they were a Christian band when I was listening. Or not. I've been accused of being a Christian band when I was listening. So don't blame that for me not liking the album very much. I was still very open-minded. Um, but, like, the other thing is that, like, they, they sound almost... I kept saying Tool. And Deftones, like, mixed together. But I think I'm wrong about that, and I think it's a perfect circle in Deftones. Because a perfect circle is almost like Tool, but just the songs are a little more, uh, for lack of a better term, at the time, poppy than Tool. You yeah. know what I mean? And when yeah. I say poppy, accessible. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. And it just, to me, feels like it's those two things. It's Deftones and Tool early Deftones and, and Tool, or, and that's what they were shooting for. And I think the other reason, I will say this, the other reason I think people 
say they're like the Deftones is because people like the is because the singer does he does have that vibe. He has like like he's going for the Chino vibe. He just doesn't have the like charisma of of Chino. But I think he does like kind of try to get there, you know. Uh, but the songs, I don't know. I actually said I I think there was a point where I was listening to it. I want to get the right song. I want to be right about the songs and stuff. You know what I mean? That I'm talking about. But there's one song on here that really fucking felt like uh, Godsmack. And like, um, but with a different singer. Like, like that was the main takeaway from this album for me. This sounded like Godsmack, but good. <laughs> good, good Godsmack to me. Yeah, okay. Like good, better good stack, God's if you will. Well, yeah, but I'm saying with like we don't like the I'm doing a bit. You know, nobody likes that voice. So I, I think the lead singer and, of Chevelle is good. Right. And I think he's, he's a good doing, singer. But the music Pete, Pete Loffler, Mr. Pete. Uh but he's doing the 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 music sounds like Godsmack. Like there were a few songs I felt like they were going to Butt City. Now, here's the thing about going to Butt City. I think it's a song you probably didn't hear when I said, "Wait a minute." Here, it's called uh, "High Visibility." Was yeah. that on? That's not the one. You no, that's on a bonus. That's a bonus track. Okay, so that felt like it was on its way to Butt Rock, which I believe right. is where they ended up. And yeah. then when I start thinking about how they ended up there, it's like. I don't think it's that much of a leap to say that they were just kind of like, well, this stuff is selling. We might as well do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's just for me, I, I, I guess like I get, I sort of get the Deftones comparison in some ways, but yeah, I think Godsmack is a good one because I think Godsmack was obviously heavily influenced by Alice in Chains and Stone Temple Pilots and like the grunge stuff. And this does feel almost a little more like that to me, where a lot of the songs just feel based off of like one sort of heavy riff that's kind mm -hmm. of like anchoring the whole thing. And Godsmack kind of did that too, right? Where they would have, they'd find a riff and then they're just like, here's the riff and here's the song. And Chevelle has that feel to me too. And I think you're right also that that is kind of where Butt Rock goes, right? Where Butt Rock is very... We hit them with an opening riff, and then that, and then that's the riff, baby, and we're just riding it to the top with with like kind of basic drumming, like basic rhythm section. Um, that's kind of what I hear with Chevelle as well, not in a bad way. Like I think I think Chevelle has enough uh, enough uniqueness, enough intelligence, I guess, for lack of a better word, where the 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 songs are constructed in a bit of a different way that it, it doesn't feel super butt or like super grunge, but I think it's borrowing more from that than it's borrowing from new metal. Cause I don't really hear new metal that much in this. I hear a bit of Deftones. I actually hear a bit of Lincoln park in this as well. I think there's a little bit of, of that kind of sort of, again, ba more basic riffing and song structure um, but yeah, the singer is good. Uh, so that helps. Right. Uh, he, you know, he really, I think he is the, the part of the band that sort of saves them. And to me, makes them not bad. Like I, if I was, 
you know, I always, this is something we've brought up on, on other shows, on guys and stuff like that, is that when, like, people, Americans, uh, like, people don't know how to work on a five-star scale. You know what I mean? Like, so when you're reviewing stuff and you have a five-star, we don't know how to review on that, like, as people, as a human race. So we always say there should be a three-star scale. That is it because it should be bad. Okay, good. It's the only three stars. That's the only way we know how to fucking review stuff because what is a two-star album out of five? Like, what is that? Is that good or is it okay? You know what I mean? I think it's I would make. I think it's bad but not atrocious. Like, to me, one is atrocious. Two is bad, but it has, like, maybe one or two good songs. Three okay. is just like average. I didn't mind listening to it. Four is like good, but not ascendant. And then five is like a classic. Because if I was doing, if, if I was doing the way I think things should go, which is the standardized three-star system. Sure. This is a two. A, this is a hundred percent a two. And if I had, and we're going to review it later, but you know, I, I broke the scale. So it's impossible to know what I'm really <laughs> thinking. So I'm just saying that like, if, right. If I was reviewing this in a five-star scale, I'd probably say three. You know what I mean? Like, I think the thing that saves this album from being outright bad and I don't and hating it is the singer. He is the thing that saves saves the band. Because like some of these songs I was just listening to, and I was like, I don't know, man. I I don't I I don't feel this song at all i i guess it, maybe that is the thing too like that i'm being a baby and saying like you know i'm, I'm just not <laughs> feeling this dog you are I'm a baby Ryan. but that's but i would give this in the three star scale it would be a two because it's doesn't have it's not overtly bad it's not uh uh it's not crazy town, which I think I gave a good review to. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that though. It's not like Godsmack. It's not like Crazy Town. It is the it is uh uh it's okay. It's it's right. an okay album. Like really down the middle. And I think it gets a lot of credit, deservedly so, because the lead singer is good. And he's not he he is not doing the girl. Uh, voice he's not doing it which no he's is, not no he can that actually goes so, that goes such a long way john that goes like not doing that voice goes a really long way for me <laughs> yeah because i hate that I, I i i mean it's an instant oh, yeah. turn off to me not a turn off all i you know obviously i listen to some of that music uh all the time but um it is just a turn off like i'm not gonna like it and i'm not gonna be serious about about I, like the reason I'm listening to it is because it's funny. It, it's like like listening to Nickelback, the the song I like. How you remind me? It's like I think I like it, but I think I like it because it's funny. I don't know if if I can fully commit to being like a fan. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel bad that you didn't listen to the other songs because I'll tell you what, they suck and. Uh, <laughs> You're like, I can see why they left this off the. I do really like uh, um, High Visit. Uh, I do really like uh, to talk about One Lonely Visitor, which I just said, oof. It's uh, that Yeesh. song 
stinks. That song is a stinky, stinky, stinky poop. That song. yeah, that is a real bad song, <laughs> really bad. And that and I did feel like and just before we get into that, I I just want to say I do agree with you. Like I think it's hard to say that this album is any better than like good. Like I think it's hard to say this is a great album or a standout album in the genre. I think you'd be hard to find a lot of people who would say that. I mean, we have had some people in the discord. We had one person in our discord say that Chevelle is a top five new metal band for them. Um, and they can't think of any bad songs by Chevelle, which is interesting because there is definitely one that we're going to talk about, but, um, but yeah, like it, it does have that air of, Oh, this is very competent. It's not bad. It's not a classic, but it is very competently done. And then I think what kind of pushes this, this album a little bit over the edge is that the red and send the pain below are legitimately very good and standout songs in the genre. So I think that for me is kind of where you go. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to necessarily go all the way to bat for Chevelle, but those two songs, very tough to argue with great songs. And I think, yeah, I think they really demonstrate like the, the peak of this band. And I think it's, it it makes you, you listen to this and you're kind of like, okay, I can see why those are the two songs that I know. (laughs) Cause I don't know. They, they followed it up with another, I I believe the follow-up album to this uh, which is called uh, it's got a weird title. This type of thinking could do us in. Uh, it also went platinum, I believe. Um, yeah, it did. It went one time platinum and it peaked at number eight on the billboard 200. Uh, but like it didn't have, it didn't have the big single. Like people talk about vitamin R was the lead single. And there, that's a, a song about Ritalin, uh, which is, automatically very oh, funny that's fucking cool man and then there was a song called the clincher and panic prone those were the three singles uh from this type of thinking could do us in and it's, and you kind of look at it in 2023 and you think uh well i sort of know why i only know the two songs and the album <laughs> kind of reveals that where you kind of go okay these are good songs but they really hit on something with the red and send the pain below and it just seems like they could never really hit on that um, again. But yeah, you want to talk about One Lonely Visitor? Because I'm thrilled to talk about how bad that uh, song is. Uh, um, I did not like that song. I said, it's I, so bad. It's very out of place on the album. Too, really out sucks. of place. It stinks that, that like, also, that might have affected. I, I think I would have probably still been sort of leaning toward mediocre if that was the last song, because that would be the last impression I would have yeah, of the album. And I just, I heard that song and I was like, I, I really, well, it's just so of that era, right? It's like all of these bands felt they needed to have their like acoustic ballad on the record. A lot of the times it was the last song on the record. It's very trite. Uh, and this is a really bad version of an acoustic song. Like, it this sounds is, so it sucks. I, I mean, the sound sucks, but the song sucks. Everything it's crazy because you're just listening to it and you're like, this is maybe the suckiest thing we have ever covered on this show. It's up and there. 
It's like yeah. actually up there with one of the worst songs we've ever covered. And the reason it sounds different, Brian, is because it is a demo version of the song. And I'll skip ahead to the one of the articles here just very quickly. This is an interview from uh, Hard Music Magazine from hey. July of 2003 uh, with, uh, with Pete Loeffler, the lead singer. And the person asks, uh, or the interviewer asks, what inspired the somewhat vulnerable and bare sounding One Lonely Visitor? And how has this gone over in concert? Pete answers, you know, that's another song we've actually never played out live. That was actually done in our home studio. That was a song I did like two years ago. We were going through contract problems and all that. And it just kind of came out one day and I threw it up and worked it out and never really expected to do anything with it. And Bill McAfee, my manager, heard it and he liked it and he thought I should put it on the record. So it's Bill McAfee's fault. Bill McAfee, you sick son of a bitch. You sick fucking (laughs) (laughs) We actually did the song twice. We did it in the studio in Vancouver with Garth and I really didn't like the sound of it coming out of there. I thought it lost a lot of feel and focused too much on like getting it perfectly polished. And so I actually talked to the label and they let me get my way. So it's actually the demo, which turned out to be the better sounding of the two. So I threw it on there as a, I thought it had a lot more feeling. The topic of that song is pretty much, well, it's actually about my ex-girlfriend I dated for quite a long time. Way back when, when I was living with my parents, she had come over without me knowing it and just kind of hung out in my room, missing me, thinking about old times. And she just kind of hung out in my room and checked it out. And a couple of years later, my sister told me about it. And I thought, wow, that's kind of a good topic for a song. <laughs> this guy has bad judgment. Yeah. Because it does I, genuinely, like the production alone is jarring. Like you hear oh, it and yeah. you're like, this doesn't sound like it was recorded well. Yeah, yeah. It just is one of those, like, I, I don't know. It, it, it was a guy trying to do something. <laughs> I guess. And like, uh, you can't be mean to him, but I think, you know, the managers and stuff like that should have probably shown better judgment. <laughs> I think they were just like, fuck it. Who cares? It's the last song. <laughs> this guy wants to do it, whatever, you know? And we were get we, we were still, we're still in new metal where bad production is considered charming. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yes. that might've also been kind of where they were coming from because, what what out what corn albums out when this comes out? Uh, in two thousand two, issues would be the last one. Which the Untouchables, is, uh, Untouchables is O two as well, but this would have been recorded before Untouchables. So so issues is not the best produ- produced album. I, it's my it's one of my favorite albums. I'm yeah. not shitting on issues. I love that. I think it's probably I would put it number two behind the debut as my favorite i i would do it i would do debut issues life is peachy follow the leader you know what i mean like i I, so i like issues but i do think some of the production on that one is a little muddy and uh this one this song just felt like not muddy it was just really bad you know what it was like it was like a here's what it is for people that don't listen to the album it sounds like a really bad neutral milk hotel song like a, a b-side yeah. of neutral milk hotel but not good <laughs> well the in the interviewer in the hm piece goes on to compare it to dashboard and it does actually kind of sound like a bad version of dashboard confessional like they're kind of <sighs> going for that like raw honest and it's funny because pete doesn't know who they are 
So the guy says, that's cool. The label let you do the demo version because it sounds great. Interviewer is wrong or just kissing his ass. But he says, I think you might give Dashboard a run for their money. And Pete says, oh, yeah, did they do that kind of thing? (laughs) (laughs) You lying motherfucker. Come on. I love that. Oh, yeah. Do they? No, actually, they do acoustic songs that are really well produced and people kind of love them. So uh, so no, they don't do stuff like One Lonely Visitor, which is a stinky poo poo. That song sucks. It's really so... bad. I the other thing I wanted to point out about the song. So I actually think there are some other good songs on here. Um, I really liked "Don't Fake This." I thought it was kind of one of the only songs where they really tried to push the drums and had like a really creative drum beat on it, and I thought it was really good. I also liked "Forfeit," uh, even though the chorus is kind of weird. He's just yelling the word "forfeit" over and over again. I don't, I don't quite know what that. "forfeit" means. Yeah, it, it doesn't pardon me it doesn't really get the it doesn't get the people going uh, as uh, as will farrell would say like it just doesn't have that you know yelling the word forfeit over and over again is not really that engaging or exciting um and then uh what was i gonna say so yeah i thought but i i like the music of forefoot and don't fake this i think are both good but i did want to comment wonder what's next also has uh one of the funniest like interludes on a on a record uh that i just really really liked um i it just really uh not interlude but it's like a spoken word part so they're like they're kind of rocking in the background and then pete goes on this like little spoken word kind of rant and he says In the beginning, it seems that no one thinks beyond having fun, which is why you write music in the first place. Always moving, defining, and pushing forward the art that once created, looking to the right time to share it. And then the headaches of criticism. Senior advisors, advising people above, twisting, distorting that which we love, and never-ending problems with money, holding you back, preventing progress. I thought you only started because it was fun. It's like, (laughs) oh, man, dude. Yeah, the, the spoken word stuff. I mean, he got doing a yeah. spoken word thing, and then it's just like a very basic, like ah, these big money guys. You know, they're they're killing the love of the game. It's like, oh god. Yeah, it just is not. It is a a an a extremely not good. I I don't know. Like a lot of the lyrics too. I guess you could say I was. I don't know. I guess a lot of the lyrics I didn't hate. But I didn't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I like this album. (laughs) You definitely don't. You definitely (laughs) don't like this album. What do you mean you don't think so? I know you didn't like this album. You know how I am. Sometimes I want to uh, like it. Sometimes I want to like the album. I don't want to be negative. I know. Well, and it is like, yeah, people do really like Chevelle. People have like a good, I feel like a lot of people think of Chevelle as, you know, maybe not a top five new metal band like uh, like the person in our Discord, but I think a lot of people do have a lot of respect for Chevelle and they they think of them as like a staple of this genre. But I also think part of that too could be, Brian, like people who are just a little bit younger than us, right? Like The Red and Send the Pain Below are huge songs in 2002 I'm 17, you're 24, like, you know, I or 23, like if you're 14 when the red and send the pain below come out, Chevelle is probably one of your bands, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. I would love this album if yeah, if if I was uh 
if I was 17 when it came out. I think I was just like I'm listening to this at my age now, and I'm just not. It's not, you know, <laughs> it's just not very good. But like I think like I could probably give it another chance too. You know, right? I I should, but I uh, probably will not be getting it another chance. Well, let's get, uh, we'll get into the articles here. Uh, This is, uh, there's not a ton of stuff because Chevelle, despite being a huge band at the time, seems like they weren't, a lot of people weren't talking to them until the next record. So it was like, wonder what's next kind of blew up. And then this kind of thinking could do us in. There's a lot more interviews around that time period. Uh, But there is definitely some stuff. And I will say one thing we have neglected to mention so far is that Chevelle's wonder what's next lineup uh there it's three brothers they're a three-piece uh guitar bass and drums and it's pete sam and uh dave no uh pete sam and joe uh loffler um are the three brothers who form the band and we're going to talk about that in the articles a little bit but i've got a bunch of articles here the heavy the hard music magazine one uh which we've already touched on and uh, we've got uh, some, yeah, some other stuff. Uh, Brian, do you want to kick us off with uh, something you found? In I one of the would articles? love to. <laughs> I would love to. That's my Dracula one. That was day good. After. Yeah, it's good. Archive. You got us one from archive.net. And uh, he, uh, he goes, uh, the album was recorded. This I don't understand. Says. Yes. Okay. So this is from, I know the one you're reading. So this is from uh, uh, Cross Rhythms magazine, uh, October 30th, 2003. The album was recorded in the wake of 9-11 and the band had to endure some ill-timed ribbing from their nation's neighbors as they recorded in Brian Adams warehouse studio in Canada. Was Brian Adams like, that's sick. (laughs) (laughs) I've been in the warehouse. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful studio. Um, I, I can't imagine that's true. I cannot imagine. Can- I, like I lived in Canada during nine 11. I can assure you, we were not like, ha ha, look at America. We were like, fuck, are we next? That's what we <laughs> were thinking. We were not thinking, wow, look at those dumb fuck Americans. They're getting attacked. Ha 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 ha. That was I couldn't definitely figure not out. Happen. Like I said, I couldn't figure out what that meant. I don't like, I I don't know. It's very odd. And then they they did say it's not in this article, but to give you some context, they started recording on September 12th, uh 2001. So they were in Vancouver prepping to record. September 11th happens. They're like, "Well, we got Brian Adams studio booked for the next day." So they were in the studio the day after 9/11 writing this record, which is kind of weird that they didn't have like a blatant 9-11 song on this record, given that context. Like you would think there would be some bold-faced 9-11 song on here, but there isn't really. Hey, you fucking 9-11 losers got killed. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was very funny. Like, because I'm trying to figure it out. It's like, so they were getting goofed on because 9-11 happened. How do you even like goof on somebody for 9-11? Like, ha you got 9-11, you know? It was yeah. just a weird sentence. I was like, uh, I would love more information about <laughs> yeah. what was going on there. You know? This is a UK magazine, Cross Rhythms. So my guess is they're just making that up. <laughs> ah, yeah, probably. You're probably right. You are probably right. I was going to say. Yeah, it was very funny. Very, very funny. I had um, another quote from that article, too. Uh, 
Steve Albini is so funny, right? Because it's like some bands love working with him and then other bands just like go out of their way to trash the shit out of him, uh, which is really funny. And uh, actually, Dan, you can weigh in here. How, how, what do you think of Steve Albini? I know he's a div- uh, divisive figure. Um, I like his work, but he's also a pretty huge dickhead. <laughs> yes, okay. That seems to be the sort of prevailing wisdom that he. I can't believe they talked shit about him. Well, yeah, they they go they go off, which is really funny. So it says before Chevelle tasted the big time, they recorded an album for Squint Entertainment in 1999, produced by Steve Albini, the legendary studio man who brought us Nirvana. Recording point number one was not a happy experience, commented Joe. Albini doesn't produce anything. He does everything flat, flat notes, nothing hi-fi at all. If that was painful, worse was to follow. A legal battle ensued at Word Records as they sought to wrestle Squint away from its founder, Steve Taylor. It took heavyweight lawyers before Chevelle could escape from the legal impasse. They were left wondering if they would ever get a second chance or was their final tour with Filter to be the plateau of their careers. And then Joe says, we weren't sure if anything was going to happen after that. It was pretty crazy, but much to the delight of metal fans, it wasn't to be the end for Chevelle. Um, but yeah, I just love the idea of, uh, yeah, Steve, he's a fucking dick, you know? Yeah. He didn't, well, he, probably he didn't do our record. Well, we didn't like him. I know it's cool that they kind of did that. You know what I mean? That they kind of went in on him. I, I did respect that yeah. part. Yeah. Because a lot of times they're not like, a lot of times people are like, yeah, you know, things didn't go the way we wanted them to go. Or whatever. It's like, damn, they said Steve Albini sucks. I hope Steve Albini has something to say about them. I didn't look that up. I should have. Let's see here. What else do I got from this piece? I think I don't have anything. Yeah, I got nothing else from that one. Actually, I do. One thing the band did not want was the Christian band tag. Yes. That they acquired from their days with Squint Entertainment, an openly Christian label. But as Joe pointed out, the band may have been misled. They said they weren't a Christian band, but they a label, but they lied, which is that's so fucking cool, man. That is really funny. You're right. I'm glad you pointed that out because I did have that one flagged and I forgot. Yeah. uh, (laughs) The label is just like, uh, oh, you might have heard we're a Christian label. We're not, actually. We're not a Christian label. We're fucking satanic. Yeah. (laughs) Ish. We're not Christian. I mean, yes, a lot of the bands on here are Christian. Like, how did they pull that off? Like, how did they not look? You know what I mean? So anyway, uh, they're. I guess the, I guess you could say they didn't look because like the internet, but the internet was around because I got a fucking thing about the internet later that uh, I really yes. love because everybody, whatever region you're from, you write music, religion you're from, you write music that is either good or bad. So one Buddhist could write a song that is happy and nice, and another could write one that is real angry. I mean, the Beastie Boys are Buddhist, but they're not a Buddhist band. Mm. Joe feels that certain bands have been using the Christian band label to increase sales. Mm. He said that yeah, I mean, it, yes, if your band sucks, then yes, that would work. But if you're a big band, it will not help your sales. Yeah, the truth is what people should hear. We shouldn't be trying to trick people into saying they're a Christian band when they're not. Yeah, I would say that is a big problem in the world. Like, people keep getting tricked into calling themselves a Christian band all the time. <laughs> like, that sounded like he was like, we got this is an epidemic of yeah. people being tricked into saying they're a Christian band. Totally. So funny, man. He's like, uh, the band claimed that they were just desperate for a deal in the early days. If you get your first offer as a new band, what are you going to say? No. Yes, you're going to say yeah, that. If you it's could a Christian say no. Label. Yeah. 
Yeah. You could do a little bit of research and be like, oh, they're a Christian label. We are not going to sign with you. A yeah. lot, I think a lot of bands say no to their first offer. To oh, be I don't. <laughs> I think like, especially if I guess you don't know if they were showing promise at that time, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, I guess yeah. like they don't know that could be their only chance. I just think you're like, what other bands are on the label? And then I go to the library and I get on the internet and I take a look and see what the other bands on the label, what they're like. Like you would think like, I guess it's just look into what it is, but I believe them. They're not a Christian band. Cause I mean, Steve oh, I Al- believe them too. Yeah. Steve so Albini look- isn't producing a Christian album. You know, <laughs> I'm looking at the, uh, I'm looking at the Christian. I'm looking at the label right now, squint entertainment. So their big band was Sixpence none, the richer. <laughs> um, which are definitely a Christian. I mean, that I'm pretty sure Sixpence None the Richer is a Bible reference, like itself. Like that's the the name of that band. So that's very funny. That like, and then the they the other bands I haven't really heard of, but they're all very Christian bands. There's one band called Burlap to Cashmere, which is a contemporary Christian world music band. Uh, then there, there's the Insiders, uh, but the it's spelled I-N-S-Y-D-E-R-Z, and they were an American Christian ska band. Uh, oh. And apparently the Insiders are one of the, quote, big three bands which have represented the Christian ska scene alongside the Supertones and Five Iron Frenzy. Imagine oh. listening to Christian ska. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a guy who just recently listened to a decent amount of ska, uh, I wouldn't Ooh. do that, actually. Yeah. And then uh, there's another band called PFR, which is a Christian rock group from Minnesota, and PFR stands for Pray for Rain. Uh, then there's Strange Celebrity, uh, which is also a Christian rock band, 38th Parallel, who are a Christian rock band, and then Water Deep. Um, and I just, I do want to say one more thing. One of the funnier sentences we've ever seen, uh, in, in any of our Wikipedia finds the label first appeared in the United States in 1997 in an attempt to bring meaningful Christian content to other media. The company started a major film project called St. Gimp. Oh, okay. (laughs) The project was abandoned when Steve Taylor was forced out of company leadership. Yeah, it's just Saint Gimp. These guys got tricked. I I'm trying to figure out if they got tricked or if they're like trying to cover their asses. I think they're trying to cover. I think they're trying to cover their. You think so? Because it is. It is like there's a lot of indications that they could have started as a Christian band. In that, like, part of it being like they are brothers. Like it's a band full of like brothers, a family to me was like, hmm, but I guess you're around them most, but I was like, are they homeschooled? Like they didn't have any other friends. Like, yeah. What's doing with these guys. But yeah. Um, the next one I have is from HM magazine, which is heavy. Yeah. That's the one I read from already. So yeah. Hard music magazine from July, 2003 interview with Pete. Oh, we already read it because it's the, uh, uh, part about that bad song. So I'll go into silent uproar. Uh, okay. That's the. Do you have uh, more from the heavy HM no, magazine? Sorry. I don't. I don't. No, that's fine. Um, I mean, it, what they kind of did talk about how the producers tried to make the album sound good, and they were like, "What?" 
Yeah. He was like, Ben Kaplan, the Pro Tools editor, had a lot of fun just throwing on crazy 808s and like weird like textures underneath everything. And, you know, it was weird because I didn't really love it when he was doing it, but I just kind of let it sit and like warm up to it a little bit because every time you change something like that, it's it's a shock. It's like, I wrote this song like this. It was a huge thing for us working with Garth. I think it was good, though. I mean, I love it now. I love the new feeling this record has, but I like the idea of them being like, what? what why are you putting this little keyboard sound underneath here? We're a fucking rock band. Leave us alone. Yeah. That made me laugh. I, I, I just, so this silent, uproar. yeah, the silent uproar is from July 18th, 2003. And this is um, a very classic POD cast article in that the interviewer is basically illiterate. <laughs> so I'm going to say something right now, uh, before I read this, this is what I call the coward's answer. I have never seen such a cowardly answer. Yep. Uh, I know so, the exact one you're going to read. <laughs> now that you've gotten more popular as a band, it may start to play more of a factor. How do you feel about music on the internet? The argument is kind of that the internet can help small bands and that it hurts major label bands. You guys went from one end to the other. So how does that affect your viewpoint? Sam goes, I'm not sure if it helps or hurts in our case. Our record has done really well, and I don't know if the internet has spread the vibe or not. I know I have mixed feelings about it because people want it to be there and be free and be accessible to anyone they want it to be. At the same time, if it's copyrighted for some reason, people just don't think that it's stealing. They just don't understand that it is really stealing because it's so readily accepted. And it's so incredibly accessible. That's a really good question you asked. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't know if it helps or hurts. I guess it can go either way. That has, there is never been a bo- more wishy-washy yeah i have never what a fucking coward you know what that guy's metallica- ass must hurt from all the sitting on the fence he's doing right there <laughs> metallica metallica look metallica hates it they think it's horrible and then fucking uh limp biscuit they did a tour with napster pick a fucking side dude but nobody everybody was so scared to pick a fucking side at that time it, it, that was such a cowardly answer. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just, I and it's also that. just him even saying, like, that's a good question. Like, you have to think every band was being asked that question in this time period. And he clearly had never thought of what his answer might be. So he's just <laughs> kind of like, oh, I, I don't know. It's, who's to say? It could be good or bad. We don't know. Who's to say? There's a lot that goes into us. it. It didn't affect us, but maybe it did affect us. We don't really know yet. It's just, it's difficult. You know, one could say one thing and then one could say something right after that. That would be very contra. People would call it contradictory. It was, that was the most, I just, the fence sitting is beautiful. I just, I really loved that. It's incredible. Yeah. And then I just, my only other thing from this article comes from the actual interviewer (laughs) because this is such an insane question. I think I have it too, dude. The interviewer says, I was told by a friend that you did a Depeche Mode cover. On what CD was that released? I can't find it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one had a few funny questions. Yeah, a few funny questions for sure. But I think that's all I had from that one. How about you? No, that was it. All I have left is basically to talk about yes, the brothers. Last two articles. So this this one will kind of set it up a little bit. This is from the Deseret News, uh, which is a a Christian uh, uh, rock, uh, or sorry, a Christian news article. But they took it from the Associated Press, so I guess they just did like a 
an overarching uh, interview the AP did with the, the Loeffler brothers. This is from uh, this is an interview from 2005, January 6, 2005. So this is after uh, this type of thinking could do us in has come out, but it's a bit of a preview of what we're going to talk about next. So as I said, the band is Pete, Sam, and Joe Loeffler. Pete is 28, Sam is 29, Joe is 24. And that kind of maybe becomes a little bit critical later. So AP says, you've been on tour since late October. Any good stories yet? Loeffler. Well, we're all brothers, so we kind of fight and bicker a lot. First day of this tour, Joe destroyed his base, smashed it on the ground. He was ticked off at Sam, chucked it at Sam. It was bad. The tour was over before it even started. Then we ended up patching it up that night and left the next morning. That's pretty much what we deal with on the road. That's the negative part of being in a band with brothers. And there's a lot of good stuff. <laughs> just adding that yeah. at the end. But also, and there is some good stuff. I like the idea that the question is just like any good tour stories. And he's like, oh, our, my brother fought with my other brother. That's like the good story we have so far. And then uh, they follow up with... Uh, uh, what's it like being in a band with your two brothers? You never know what side of the bed somebody's going to roll off, roll out of their bunk and be in a good mood or a bad mood. We can come off stage and have a great show and we can walk into the dressing room and somebody will just blow up at the other person for no reason. We have all this baggage that we brought into this. It's tough. I would never suggest it. When it works, it's amazing. But when it doesn't, it's hell. We're like literally living in hell. They're my brothers, but you know what? You shouldn't necessarily work with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's fucking crazy that I guess I would say working with your family could be bad. I mean, you know, I was in a situation where I literally couldn't fire anybody uh, for a period of time. And, uh, you know, it can be stressful, but they fired this motherfucker, which is so funny. So fucking funny. And they really seem to not like each other. Oh, 100%. So, yes, this is kind of like the setup. And then they do end up this very same year in 2005. They end up kicking Sam out of the band or Joe out of the band, their younger brother who plays bass. Uh, Brian, did you want to get into that? There's another article from July 7th, 2005. This is from Blabbermouth. Ex-Chevelle bassist slams former bandmates. I was fired, plain and simple. So the point of no return came when Joe told his bandmates he didn't want to play any overseas shows and that they have to hire another bassist to fill in for him. Now, that to me is a reason to get rid of a guy if that's, if if like you want to go overseas, guy don't want to go overseas, fuck are you supposed to do? Like hire a bass player when you go overseas and then have him back when you come back and then also he makes the money from the overseas tour? Like, what is he supposed to fucking do? What is the solution to this other than we just won't go overseas? Oh, okay. Well, then I guess, you know, fuck them. Yeah. You know, but when you're like a, a band as big as Chevelle, you have to like, I think you have to do European tours at the very least. So, yeah. uh, and so they had to hire another bassist to fill in for him. We were like, well, dude, what, what you're asking doesn't make sense. Pete explained. Being in the band and playing is your job. And he said, I just want to do what I want to do. So either you do what I want or I'm going to tell everybody that you fired me. That's a sentence, baby. (laughs) That is drama. I love that. Hey, you fucking do what you got to do, but I'm going to tell everybody you fired me, bitch. (laughs) 
<laughs> Very funny. Soon after, Joe Loeffler was out of Chevelle, and some fans were under the impression he had been fired. The band hired Dean Bernardi, who has been with them over ever since. We haven't talked about Joe much since it happened, Pete said. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You don't talk all, about your brother that you no longer speak to anymore? All you talk about is Pete. Yeah. All that's that is like I'm sure the first like six days of the tour was them just fucking yeah. shitting on their brother. Yeah. Uh, he goes, it was a pretty negative, harsh thing, but the reality is we never had a good relationship. You just have those people in your family or in your life that you just never really get along with. I don't. I mean, I guess there's people in my family I don't talk to very much, but I wouldn't say yeah, I, I just don't have those people in my life, you know. He never got along with us. Family dynamics can be really hard. And as they say, every family has one antagonist. <laughs> and you don't know who it is. It's probably you. <laughs> ah, Do people great. say that? Like, a, that's a really classic saying. Hey, every family has one antagonist. I don't feel like that's a real big saying, but. I just don't think that. I, you can't fire your brother. I'm sorry, man. Uh, I think it's kind of weird at times to fire one of the founding members of a band now i'm not part of that dynamic in that band and maybe they are like a totally impossible person to work with but i even have like some feelings of like man this guy you know started this thing with you you guys were together and you started this thing yeah you should finish this thing together but i think when your brother's in the band it's just you just gotta fucking deal with it man and listen that sentence that they say at the end could also apply to them for you know sure, I mean? of course. Maybe you are the antagonist and you haven't yeah. figured it out. But yeah, so those quotes you read were actually from the uh, November 12th, 2018 article, uh, which is Chevelle, the story of an estranged brother and rarities album by John yeah. Wiederhorn. Yeah. And there was another really good quote in there too, uh, where I love, and we've seen this a few times when they kick people out. They love when to kick people out of a band and say they just never did anything that's like a big that's thing they funny. love to say where uh, he says uh there's this certain type of there's a certain group of people that are like oh man they've never been the same since joe left says sam shortly before heading back into practice to work on the band's upcoming yet to be titled 10th studio album our first record came out in 1999 so technically he was only with us for about six years of our career and even then He was never really there at all. He never wrote anything. He wasn't even in the room when we wrote. He never wanted to be a part of the creation of the songs. He just learned all his parts in the studio and showed up whenever he had to do whatever his part was. And then just, sorry, go ahead. It feels in a way, if he's an asshole, that feels sort of like ideal. Totally. It also (laughs) kind of seems like all the songs, Pete Loeffler has 100% of the writing credits on this record, at least on wonder what's next. It says all songs written by Pete Loeffler. So he's taking a percentage that his brothers are not getting. So that's also part of it too, probably. And then it says, despite Joe's already minimal involvement with the band, the Lofflers claim that as time passed, their brother wanted to do less and less while still being credited as one third of the brother's Chevelle. That kid, says Pete, shaking his head. We literally have not spoken to him since he said, you're going to hear from my lawyer. I was like, huh? So he can kiss my ass. What the fuck is that, too? Of course you're going to hear from his fucking lawyer. Yeah. Your your, your album just sold two million copies. Yeah, you're in a millionaire's. You're in a band. Like, you're going to fucking hear from his lawyer. You're trying to take his job away from him that he was there when it started. I can't tell who the bad guy is. Me neither. but. But. 
I it find it funny. very funny that they pu- they did this publicly. Yeah, and so this was the article uh, from from July seventh, two thousand five. So thirteen years before that article we just <sighs> read, and this is where uh, Joe is uh, is talking about it. First off, very typical. This is exactly what I expected from them. Try and make it look like I didn't want to be in the band. In the band, I was fired, plain and simple. In fact, there wasn't even a discussion about it. They just dropped it on me. I told them I would never quit and they would have to fire me. They were trying to get me to quit and told my managers that I did. I called Sam and I said, why are you doing this? And he said, we don't want you to come back. I said, I will not quit. The next day, Pete called for the first time and said, did our managers call you and tell you that you're out? I said, no, were they supposed to? He eventually said in that short conversation, you're fired. I'm insulted by the message on the front page of the site. By the way, that's the first change to the site I've seen in at least a year, which is such a funny dig. It is completely false and out of line. I made no decision and I am not taking a break. I will be working on getting a new job immediately. A break also means there's a chance to come back and nothing could be further from reality. I was fired and they have not said a word to me since. I would never ask to be back in. Why would I want to after this? And I never did in the past when I quit. We'll miss having him on the road with us. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I don't think they will. And then they just badmouth them later. And then 13 years later, they say they're still not talking to him. So that's like fucking crazy. It is. It is. Whatever happened. I, it's hard for me Chabelle, to if you're listening to this it's time to it's time to make up boys i think so too yeah let's, it's time to just, let's find the olive branch let's reach out and be and and you don't have to be friends but like let's get let's get back together for the kids you know let's spend christmas together yeah this year i i just that's a messy breakup fucking shit man messy it's just you know that the, the there's one way to do that and it is the vaguest fucking statement that you can get away with and then move on. Yeah. Rough. You know what I mean? No arguing, none of that shit. It's rough. It's the worst. It's the worst. Like we've definitely read about bands that had turmoil. That's the worst one we've seen. And that includes Ben Moody, who wrote the entire letter to Evanescence. After I the, him, uh, yeah. I owe me too. Also fine. I love these guys now that that pushed their review up just to slight. <laughs> level up because i got to read those articles because they were very funny they were very publicly going yeah. at it is it well great. it's funny too because like even in that uh that deseret news article like so that's january 6th 2005 which would portend some other things to come on january yeah. 6th yeah. um but uh they so they fire him six months after this but even in this loffler kind of sl- like even in this sort of puffy interview with the ap he snipes at joe a little bit because you know this is right after he says like we're living in hell you shouldn't work with family and then the ap says that sounds like it's rough are there any positives and loffler says the positive is that you can trust your band members that nobody's going to do something to screw someone else financially Mm. sam is the drummer and he takes care of the business aspect i take care of writing music and the videos and the artwork Joe pretty much fills in the low end on stage. He does interviews, which is cool. I can't say too much. He'll read it and kick my ass. Laughs. (laughs) These guys hate each other. Oh, they hate each other. And it's just funny to see him like just kind of even inserting that a little bit into the interview of like, yeah, like, and also like we do all this stuff for the band and Joe just kind of, I mean, he just like shows up and plays the bass. And Joe's lazy. What a great story. I mean, really 
Great work. Really great. great work, yeah. Chevelle, guys. Okay, let's get to the tweet defense. This is, uh, if it's your first time tuning into the show, this is our review system here. Uh, the idea is that if someone were to tweet at you that wonder what's next sucks, how many tweets would you do in defense of the album? Brian, we'll start with you. What is your tweet defense for this record? Um, I'm going to give it, let's, let's do it like this. I want to do it like this. Out of 10, I give this a 60, a solid D. That is, it's a D album for me. Not okay. great, but not the worst album I've ever heard. Nice. I think for me, it's probably three. I think I'm going with, you know, obviously I'm defending Send the Pain Below. I'm defending The Red. I think the album is solid. I don't think it's great, but it's solid. Um, yeah, sold a lot of copies for a reason enjoyed listening to it today again i won't probably return to it same as you outside i like comfortable liar too is a really good song i won't return to it outside of like a handful of songs but uh yeah it's a good entry in the genre the story is very funny um yeah actually maybe i gotta go four because i feel like i would do a tweet where i'd be like you got to read these articles about these brothers yeah, fighting. These it's, it's pretty fucking funny <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i feel like i would give it up i would give it up to that so let's go for uh, for Chevelle, great work, Chevelle. Wonder what's next. Fantastic. Uh, if you wonder what's next for us, you can head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the POD cast. That's cast with a K. Like the band Corn. Uh, $4 a month gets you three bonus episodes every single month. We cover two new metal songs and one full length about a new metal album. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic and fun. And uh, we've got lots of great bonus content. Last month, we did a truly unhinged bonus episode as one of our listeners asked us to make a new metal sex playlist. Uh, so we had Riviera from the new metal agenda joining us. And the three of us all made our ideal five song new metal sex playlists. It was a lot of fun. You can check that out on the Patreon. You can also uh, donate to get us to listen to a particular song or a particular album. All the info about that is on our Patreon. We also have a $7 tier with uh, video episodes of all our bonuses. It's a great time. So yeah, you can head on over and check that out. Uh, we also have a Discord. We have merch discounts. You can, by the way, check out our merch discounts, uh, or sorry, our merch at the podcast.cool. I always feel like I forget to mention that. And uh, yeah, if you want to support the show and you love what we do, that's the way you can do it. Patreon.com slash the podcast. Okay, Brian, we are here now at the challenge. Uh, as I revealed, we didn't do a challenge last month because it was our 50th anniversary or our 50th episode, and uh, we had some guests on. We didn't really do a challenge. So the challenge, we're back this month just to review. Uh, I won the last one, the Limp Biscuit. Thank you, Rap. So we are currently sitting at me with 23 wins, you with 24 wins, and we have two ties. And uh, the challenge this month is uh, is inspired by Chevelle, uh, where we would have to imagine we are in a band with our siblings. What would be the reason that we would kick our sibling out of the band? And it can be real or fictional, uh, either or. So Brian, what is your, what's your, how are you kicking your sibling out? Well, I gave this a lot of thought, uh, for the hour before we recorded. And, uh, my sibling, my brother is the, the guy that came up with the sick new world lineup. And, uh, <laughs> he's fucking out of here. <laughs> he's in your band but he's also making this festival yes yes and now and he's, he's out and he's, he's out. out get out he's out of this lineup yeah that's good i like that i like that for sure 
Um, I am going to go with, uh, I am, I'm going to go with a real, a real reason. Cause I, my sister, uh, you know, my sister's lovely. She's three years younger than me. Um, but I'm going to kick her out because, um, I don't know how to put this, but, um, she cannot play a musical instrument and she can't sing. So that's a pretty big problem you're right there. I mean, you're, you're out, out, you know, uh, she's going to want to be in. She's going to be like, Oh my God, you have a band. Let me in the band. And I'll be like, sis, you can't play anything. You know, you don't know how to fucking play an instrument. What are you going to do in the band? And then she met, she'd be like, I could sing. She did a little youth theater when she was younger. She can't sing. So yeah, she's out. She's out. Yeah, Sorry. Sorry Katie. In your metal band either. Sorry, you know? Katie, you're gone. She also hates new metal. So that probably wouldn't help either. I hear you're fucking not. That's be real to have a new metal band. And that's don't need that shit. Don't need that bringing shit. everything down. You know, you're killing us. You are killing us. All right. It's now time for the poll. By the way, you can vote on the winner of the challenge on our Twitter, twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast again, cast with a K <clears throat> like the band corn or the band thousand foot crutch. <laughs> we just <laughs> covered them on the, uh, on the Patreon and uh, they spell crutch with a K. So there you go. Um, but yes, you'll be able to vote on the challenge winner. You can also vote in the poll. Uh, so every month, Brian and I nominate two albums each. So for four albums total, and then you, the listener, will decide which album we listen to next month. Uh, Brian, which two albums are you putting in the poll for our December, our final episode of 2023? Well, I wanted Soulfly in there, and I have put them in a bunch of times. So we're going to go with... Uh, right. That first Soul Soulfly album, I'm gonna it's self-titled, give, right? Self-titled, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. And then I wanted to come up with something kind of cruddy, so I think I'm gonna go. Oh, you know what? Let's do this. Frizzle Fry by Primus. Oh, okay. Frizzle Fry. Frizzle Fry. Nice. Okay. Nice. I'm gonna go. I've got a theme. We don't always have a theme uh, with our with our selections, but this month I do have a theme. Two bands we haven't covered in quite a long time, and two popular bands that people like, and two popular bands who followed up their debut albums with a clunker, with uh, you know, with albums that people said, "Boo, boo, hoo!" I no hate thanks. this. No, thank you. Not into it. So I am nominating Papa Roach's "Love Hate Tragedy." People really didn't like that bad boy cover. The cover is one of the worst covers in music history and Kitty's Oracle. Uh, uh, I thought the, you were going to do the second Cole chamber or orgy, which are also sort of. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going with Kitty's Oracle. The, the album so bad that it made Fallon Bowman quit the band. Uh, that's the, those are, and we've, those two have never been in a poll before. So I thought that would be fun to get those in there. So, Again, head to our Twitter. It's usually around the 20th or so of the month. The poll will go up for a couple days. So if you're not following us on Twitter, twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast, you'll have a chance to vote on one of those four records. We've got Soulfly. We've got Primus. We've got Kitty. We've got Papa Roach promising to be a great December. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Again, you can support us by going to patreon.com slash the POD cast. We love you and appreciate you. We'll see you back here next month. Goodbye.